This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. As part of the World Economic Forum, the Wharton School puts together a report on global risks that will face both countries and their people over the next year. This report will be presented at Davos today, but we have a bit of a preview of it with two of the gentlemen involved in putting it together. Wharton's Erwan Michel Kurjan, who's executive director of the Risk Management and Decision Processes Center here at the school, and also Howard Kunruther, who's professor of decision sciences and public policy, as well as co-director of the Risk Management and Decision Processes Center. Gentlemen, happy new year. Great to see you both. Good. Happy to be here. Thank you. From what I understand, this is what the, the 12th year that this report has been done. Uh, in, in looking at what this report is and what it has encompassed over the last decade plus, what are some of the things that really have been focused on, Erwan, and are we moving closer to having some of those problems addressed? Uh, well, two great questions. Uh, the first one, as you mentioned, we um, our, our recenter has been part of that uh, journey, so to speak, for the past 13 years actually now. And uh, from the beginning, what we've tried to do is called the Global Risk Report. So as the name indicates, we try to get a sense of what's going to happen and what could happen to the world on many different fronts, from economics, environmental, geopolitical, technology, societal risk. So it's not just your favorite risk we're looking at. Right. It's the 30, 40 different type of risk. And we're not trying to predict what the next quarter or the next year will look like. Uh, rather, we try to take a longer term horizon, like what could happen in the next five or 10 years. That's mm-hmm. kind of what, what we do. And we repeat that every year. I think that methodology has worked pretty well. Uh, we can come back in our discussion later about you know what we predicted 10 years ago and whether we're here today. Yeah. Uh, this is not a crystal ball, but clearly the approach we've taken looking at this risk, especially in um, not in silo, but how they interact with each other. So it's not just about climate change or it's not just about geopolitics or technology, uh, actually yields pretty great uh, result in terms of foreseeing what the future looks like. And to your point, asking ourselves what, uh, could you do as the president of a country, the prime minister of a country, right. or CEO of a very large corporation, or just civil society? How do we think about these global risks and, and manage some of them better than we're doing today? I, I would think, obviously, as you mentioned, environment is probably one of the big kind of components because it now plays a factor in so many pieces. Obviously, in just you know people living and and, and uh, you know having a good life, but also the economic issues as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, let me say a word of it, and Howard will, will probably chime in on that. This year, extreme events, natural disaster top the ranking. Uh, we get a lot of uh, some pushback because we haven't seen a big disaster happen in recent months. And, obviously, and we're not hoping to have one. And we're not hoping, but also uh, people forget we're not trying to predict what next month will look right, like, but right. you know, the next 10 years. So uh, we'll, we'll come back to the environmental issue. Howard, do you want to comment? Well, no, I think that one of the interesting features of this uh, global risk report is that there are two things that are very, very high on the agenda of our own risk center and the country and the world. And one of them is the uh, issue of the environment that you pointed out. And uh, climate change is clearly one of the issues that is highlighted in this report. 
And the question I think that comes about is how is that going to play out over the next few years? Now, Davos is, of course, a very interesting place for a discussion to take place initially on yeah. that. A number of people are coming from around the world. Uh, the COP, uh, the, the climate uh, meetings in Paris uh, clearly set a tone for what we would like to see. The Global Risk Report highlighted the tremendous importance of that. And we are facing a real challenge in this country, as you know, in terms of how we're going to deal with it. So I think that uh, this highlights, in a way, uh, what we have to do here, but what has to be done around the world. The other part that is highlighted in the report that I think we'll, uh, is obviously critically important uh, here and around the world is social instability and the whole right. issue with respect to wealth disparity. And that is to consider to be one of the top issues that has come out. And the issue that you were talking about in your earlier comments on jobs and how jobs are going to play out is an yeah. important component well, of this. It's interesting you mentioned wealth disparity because it's obviously something that we talk about here in the United States, but I don't think we discuss it as a global issue. So obviously it is something that it's more than just uh, something that we th- need to think about here in the United States. That's exactly right. And I think that I think that the point of, of this report is to highlight the fact that these are experts who are coming together from around the world who are right. trying to – who are saying what are the likely impacts with respect to particular risk and what are the chances of certain things occurring. And as Erwan indicated, we're not talking about just next year. We're yeah. talking about five to ten years. And this is something that is now very high on everyone's agenda. And we know that from a lot of the things that have occurred. Sure. Well, the, the other thing is uh, people can go on the Google or Yahoo, whatever your favorite, and, and find not just a report, but tools that you can play with. So it's not just another report. Yeah. Uh, the World Economic Forum obviously has a, an amazing um, media uh, coverage machine. So that yeah. report is reaching out to hundreds of millions of people. Whether they're going to read the report or not, it's another question. But in terms of reach, that's arguably the most read report in, in the world. Um, Interestingly, this year we also spend a lot of time on two other big topics. One is uh, the uncertainty about what uh, you know geopolitics largely define will look like in the coming year. Yeah. Uh, with surprises for some, you know, the Brexit uh, yeah. in the UK, uh, the US election, which many people didn't see coming in terms of output. Uh, not necessarily that's a risk, but that's an uncertainty in terms of how the new administration is going to. Uh, uh, to uh, manage a country and use a, the term manage on purpose, given, <laughs> right. given the business uh, background of the, uh, of the new president. Uh, and all of that has a reason to be. And I think that's what we tried to explain in the report as well, is last year and the year before, we were talking about how this income disparity, how the distrust in, in usual uh, elected officials, so to speak, around the world is yeah. growing and growing and growing. So we've alerted the reader for two or three years now about what we've called last year in last year's report, a disempowered citizen who may decide to go for something very different just because he or she is tired of the uh, the status quo. Uh, these things don't happen overnight. Yeah. Uh, they built over time. And I think the report has a pretty good track record of showing but that. It, it has to be, uh, and I don't know if you had the opportunity to see his comments earlier today, but but Chinese President Xi is over in Davos right now. Yeah. And some of the things that, that are in this report were things that he brought up in his opening statement to the economic forum earlier today. So from that perspective, to have uh, a, a person with obviously that much power and, and, and influence in that part of the world and obviously around the globe, talking about these issues, especially with a country that is doesn't exactly have the greatest track record in some of these areas in the past, that has to be promising for you. 
Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's what we meant by, uh, how I meant by the, uh, you know, the fact that it's not just another report. I think that report has uh, shown that the methodology behind the report yields some 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 good benefits. And, and to be honest, uh, that the power of the World Economic Forum too. Um, the report was released last week, a week before the starting point of, of Davos, and with 2,500 leaders in Davos this week. Uh, and many sessions on risk-related issues, resilience issues, solution-related issues. Yeah. Uh, not not just a report, but the content of the report, which to us is more important, is being discussed by uh, the right people. What What are the most important things off of this report that that you see that we really need to to continue to look forward? Yeah, over the next few years. Well, I think let's come back to the point that you raised earlier and uh, we just were discussing the environment and climate change. I yeah. think that this is one of the key issues that is now highlighted by the report in a way that it hadn't been before. And I uh-huh. think that's important. It's not that environment and climate change weren't mentioned, but now they're very, very high. And the issues of natural disasters, as everyone and we were just talking about earlier and hoping that they're not going to occur, they are going to happen. And and I right. think that in some sense, what this report is going to highlight for all of us to think about is what steps can we take now? What strategies can we take now to deal with issues like sea level rise, which is a global yeah. problem? Uh, I teach a course in risk analysis and environmental management and showed a little video in the class uh, that I had uh, really struck me as being important because it highlighted the fact that sea level rise is something that happens around the world. And and uh, the, the notion of our paying attention to this problem, both here and abroad, is really going to be important. How we can deal with that, I think, is also an issue. And Dan, I think that this is something that you have highlighted in earlier conversations that we've had on this topic, the tremendous importance of doing things, making sure that people understand that there are things that can be benefited now sure, yeah. and not just yeah. thinking long term. And I think that uh, thinking short, not just thinking only what we can do long term. And I think the global risk report is a model of putting that on the table by saying we have got to think about long-term problems, but we have got to figure out how we deal with these things with enough incentives for people to pay attention today because of myopia that play, that plagues all of us yeah. in our kind of decision process. Yeah, and to stay on the climate side, for years, all most of the discussion had been on what we call mitigation, greenhouse gas sure. emission limitation. And I think we realize of the past maybe five to ten years that actually things are going much faster than we thought they will be from right. the science perspective, i.e. we don't have the luxury to wait another 200 years to do something right. on the uh, mitigation side, but also the fact that we really, really have to move extremely quickly to what we call adaptation, i.e. if you're the CEO of a large business operating globally, what does some of the point that Howard mentioned mean for you, not just in terms of risk management, but in terms of new services, new products, new um, new solution you can offer to your clients around the world right. uh, if we're going to see some of these events happening more and more often. So there is a flip side to this discussion, which is what are the market opportunity? What are the right public policies to right. be in place? We're joined here in the studio by uh, Wharton's Erwan Michel Kurjan, Howard Kundruther. Uh, your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're talking about the Global Risks Report, which is being presented today at Davos uh, over in Switzerland. Again, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at bizradio, B-I-Z radio 111, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. 
One of the other areas that that you focus on in this report involves technology and, and kind of the falling behind the curve that we are seeing uh, not only here in this country, but probably in other locations as well, where we're so much now pushing into artificial intelligence and other areas, yet we're still trying to play catch up, correct? Uh, yeah, well, that's a good thing with technology and innovation. We're always, you know, a month behind or a year behind. Uh, well, let me go back to 2007 in the report and, and very quickly answer your question. Then back in 2007, you asked whether the report had, had yelled some, some results. Yeah. One of the top risks was we had discussed back then was uh, data breaches, privacy issues. At the time where that was not really a discussion that people had. Sure. Obviously, you fast forward 10 years, 2017 now, uh, you have data breaches happening on a very large scale every day. That yeah. has become very common. So yeah. I think... That's why we're trying to do this year reports, uh, asking ourselves, where do we see the future in the next 10 years? And people will be more used to talk about artificial intelligence in the cloud, for instance, which yeah. today, if you go to a party and you think, oh, what are you doing? I'm doing artificial intelligence in the cloud. People will look at <laughs> right. it like, what is that about? <laughs> right. Uh, but we have great benefits, like uh, being able to access uh, medical data from anywhere in the world, i.e., uh, one of our colleagues in the medical school here at Penn could actually uh, look at a patient in Africa, right. uh, get access to his or her record and be able to actually uh, cure that patient like five or 10,000 miles away. So the flip side of that is, of course, privacy issues, the fact that no one really understands who controls the cloud, for instance. Right. Uh, and whether we are ready, that's almost a philosophical question. I will hand on that. That's how we hand the report, actually. Are you ready to let machines control your future. Right. Yeah. So let me let me raise one issue that I think uh, Erwan alluded to that is really important in terms of sort of the risk side, and that is the cybersecurity issue. Sure. So we yeah. have our technology here with all of the points that he, uh, Erwan raised in terms of the ability to be able to communicate in a way that we haven't been able to do before. We also have Twitter and a variety of other mechanisms that get immediate data out. Uh, so those are things that raise a whole set of questions on what data we get. But at the same time, the issue, uh, as Erwin alluded to, on data breaches and the notion of how safe our technology is, is going to be an important risk for us to consider. And I think that one of the challenges we face on this is we don't have good data in terms of what the likelihood of these things happening and what the consequences are. We can imagine that and we can construct scenarios that tell us what would happen if we had certain problems. But at the same time, the question in terms of what protection we can take uh, to be able to to avoid these things is a real, real challenge because of interdependencies. Is part of this also still just a little resistance from whether it be governments or, you know, whatever it may be, because of lack of knowledge well, absolutely. and lack of understanding. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that we have found in, in our discussions with uh, insurers, for example, is that they are interested in providing protection against some of these breaches. But if you ask what kind of data they have and, wh and what kind of communication they have in terms of getting that data, it's not all that easy. So I think it's two points. There has been a – everyone puts it on their agenda, Dan, and th this is now now part of it, and certainly the Global Risk Report highlights this, but at the same time, it's not all that easy to know how to deal with it. And I think this is one of the challenges we face in many of these risks. We can put them on the table, and the social inequality and the poverty are on the table. How you're actually going to solve them and how you're going to deal with them is still a very, very open question. Yeah, I don't know. Howard has uh, several great points here. The, the, the other thing, to your question about resistance, we observed, not new, but 
big distinction between uh, younger people and older people. Sure. And if yeah. you wonder where the distinction is, it's actually 27 year old because okay. if you're above 27 year old, <laughs> since wow. the uh, so we're really we're then, really old. Then, then, I've, been, then really I've been old for a long time, <laughs> and, you and I've been why, older. <laughs> well, most of us have. Uh, you wonder why 27, 28? Because 50 percent of the world population is below that that threshold. Right. Uh, right. Which has the next question. Well, if that new generation is thinking very differently about the use of technology, uh, shared economy, and the like. Uh, actually, they're going to push much faster than we've seen before through uh, what Klaus Schwab, the, uh, the chairman and founder of the World Economy Forum, has called the fourth industrial revolution. You know, the almost ubiquity of information, the uh, high, super high speed of the uh, of the uh, technology changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one distinction I will make being here at Wharton as a business school is there is a big difference between something that just emerged at a new ID, a great topic, almost a toy. Uh, that people will talk about because it's it's great, mm-hmm. and having developed a market about it. I think on many of these technological innovations, we're still at the innovation stage, not necessarily that we have a full market that has been developed. But 10 years from now, we might be. Go ahead, Howard. I'm sorry. Yeah, I want to make one, one other point that I think is going to be interesting for Davos. Uh, Davos has always focused on globalization, and the global sure. risk yeah. report is a global risk report. Uh, there's a, there was a very interesting piece in today's New York Times by Andrew Sorkin on Davos yeah. that highlighted essentially the no- question as, how is that going to play out with all of the issues that are around the world of people focusing on their own country, on the notion of really uh, dealing with what they can do in the United States. And certainly our election raised a lot of these questions. So I think one of the challenges we face here, and the Global Risk Report is certainly a vehicle for putting on the table the notion of the tremendous concern that that it has with interdependencies, with the notion that we are in a world economy. And the the, uh, other side of this, which is to say say that countries now are focusing on themselves and how to deal with that. And I think it's this tension that hopefully we're going to have to address, and Davos is going to have to address in the next few days. It's very, very clear that the people who are coming to Davos are ones who are concerned with the global issues. And Klaus Schwab, who the founder of the, of the forum, has always emphasized that as, in, as important. And it may be a real challenge to put together, how do you emphasize this element while recognizing all of the challenges that each of these countries is facing and how to deal with the well, world? And also, if you just go back to something you mentioned a while ago is the fact that you're also coming into a time where we're going to be going through the Brexit. And and obviously, that's going to change the European Union to a degree, but it's also going to impact so many other entities outside of the EU, obviously, relationships with the US and, and countries over, you know, in Asia as well. So I mean, that alone is going to be one thing that we're going to see in the very short term, which is going to have quite an impact on a variety of these different things. Yeah, and of course, uh, being from France originally, we were waiting for the next presidential election in France in May. Uh, Italy just went from uh, what we've seen with the prime minister stepping down. So it's not just Brexit. That's the point we're making in the report and on, on most of our work here at, at Wharton. Saying, these things don't happen in silos. They don't happen in a vacuum. You have to understand right. the link between all these things. Uh, and stop being surprised. I'm personally very surprised that people were so surprised. <laughs> uh, very myopic. I mean, going back about to the, the Brexit. Yeah, about the Brexit, about elections around the world, what's yeah. happening in Colombia. I mean, there are many, many things that actually talk to each other. People see what's happening in other countries and maybe are inspired by what's happening. That's true on 
uh, in democracy. That's true on terrorism-related issue with ISIS. And and, and like just one word, uh, Dan, briefly on the retrenchment from globalization. People start seeing that now as a new trend. Uh, I'm looking at what we had told through the report in previous years. Retrenchment from globalization was one of the top three risks we highlighted in 2007, Hmm. 2018, 2009, 2010. That was 10 years ago, saying this is coming uh, in the next 10 years, and here we are. What was it, going back, that that, that gave you that idea that we were going to start to see that more often? Because obviously for most people that are listening to us right now, I mean, this is something that's really only been in their thought process maybe for a year, maybe maybe two years at the most. Well, well, I mean, many of us work on the reports. I don't want my comments to right. be seen right. as the, the, uh, the only one on the, on, on the report itself. I think we always play with scenarios, think that could happen, could okay. very well happen. Right. And uh, as Aaron mentioned before, we every every year in September, we do a survey of hundreds of, of top leaders around the world, and and they give us information about it. Then we have workshop around the, the, the clock. And, uh, and back then, the question was, well, if we keep pushing for globalization as the only model, uh, if we fail to be inclusive enough, which is, you know, and to be responsive enough, which is actually uh, Davos 2017 uh, agenda, the theme for Davos this week, uh, we're going to fail millions of people, if not billions of people, they're going to react to that. And that's that's exactly what has happened. Let, let, let me give you an example of a success that hopefully will play a role, and that was the Paris climate change. Because this was a case, and it hadn't happened in previous years, which is one of the reasons, uh, as Erwin was indicating, that this became a very important part of the Global Risk Report. You have a very, very difficult time getting countries to agree that this is an issue that has to be paid attention to. The law of the sea was a great example of something that had been attempted uh, to really bring countries together, and at the end of the day, it was really, really impossible to actually get full agreement. The Montreal Protocol was one where you were able to get them, but it's very, very rare that you can get that together. And with the global, with Paris, you have now a model, and hopefully it will continue, and I'd want, want like to at least conclude on an optimistic note that right. this will actually be something that will get all the countries to pay attention, because if we don't, and the Global Risk Report highlights that, we will have lost big for the countries and the world. Well, and obviously the con- Concerns with some of the things that that have come out of President-elect Donald Trump's mouth, I obviously have a concern about, you know, what the Paris Agreement is going to be. Let's just even say two years down the road, and, and, and we hope that it's not. But it is kind of a, a a potential, you know, potential thing that we have to think about. Yeah, without commenting on, on the comment itself, I think it goes back to your point about nationalism and thinking our country first which President-elect Trump has, has mentioned several times, not just on climate, but on many other topics. Uh, very similar rhetoric in a number of other countries where people you know, seriously think about retrenching from globalization. So that's uh, where exactly right, right uh, in 2017, we told the world 10 years ago we will be. All right. Well, I, I think that this is going to be a very important topic, not only for the next week in Davos, but for the next few years. How do we sort of balance off our interests nationally with our global interests? Trade being another example, which we yeah. haven't discussed, yeah. but do we push for uh, free trade or high tariffs to, to look at two extremes? And how do we sort of balance off what's going to happen within the country and what happens throughout the world? 
Great to have you both here. Thanks very much for coming in. Okay. Great seeing you. Enjoy being here. Stay Thank warm. You. Irwan, Always a pleasure, Dad. Exactly. <laughs> and Erwan Michelle Kirjan and also Howard Kunruther for the Wharton School. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.